Welcome to the Hedgemaker Broadcast. The prophet Ezekiel prophesied to the nation of Israel many long years ago. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. He also said that the Lord sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries, located in beautiful Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, is attempting to stand in the gap and make up the hedge in these days of spiritual compromise and theological apostasy. Our biblical and historical Christian heritage challenges us to fill in the gaps left by those who have moved away from their biblical foundation. Listen now as we build up the wall and make up the hedge through sound preaching from God's Holy Word. I've not preached through Mark on the Olivet Discourse before, but I've preached through Matthew on it, Matthew chapters 24 and 25, uh, somewhat a little bit more detail, but let's back up and we're making this a series. Let me go back and give you the background of this once again in the first couple of verses. As they went out of the temple, this is during the last ministry, last week of ministry of the Lord. He's in and out of the temple, back and forth. He's already been confronted with, I think, four different groups, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, and forget who the other group was, questioning him, asking him different things. So he's in and out of the temple. One of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. I think they're looking at the majesty of Herod's temple, the ornate buildings. And Jesus answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings, there shall not be left one stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? So we are looking at eight or nine There'll be eight in this section, and then the ninth one we're calling what Daniel calls the abomination of the desolation. Seven signs of the times. Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. The first sign is the sign of spiritual deception, and the false messiahs. Now let's just for cross-reference, let's go to the book of Matthew and uh, see this same message. I think it's still the Olivet Discourse. Jesus may have taught these things on a number of occasions that, that are not recorded. Remember John's Gospel. John says many other signs did Jesus. So he perhaps preached these things periodically from time to time, but he certainly did it on the Mount of Olives. So we call it the Olivet Discourse. Matthew chapter 24. Let's just read from the beginning of that chapter. Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left one Here, one stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So here in Matthew's Gospel, 
what is the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? Mark doesn't record it quite that way. And then Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Now, I want to make a comparison of these events, these uh, lists of signs that we're finding in the Olivet Discourse with the record that we find in, the, in uh, John's Revelation. So let's go to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6 is the beginning of the tribulation. We're jumping, of course, into the middle of this prophecy. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. You have to go back to chapter 5 to see the Lamb is uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder out and one of the four beasts saying, come and see. There are those four beasts which I believe represent the Lord Jesus Christ and his four-faceted ministry, which is also presented in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as a king, as a servant, as the Son of Man, as the Son of God. Ezekiel also does that with the animal faces. Anyway, he says, I saw, behold, a white horse. Now, in Revelation 6, you have four horse riders. The white horse rider, the second horse is the uh, pale horse, the third is the black horse rider, and the fourth one is, I forget the colors, but anyway, we'll see them as we go through here. The white horse rider Sat on He that sat on him had a bow and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, it's kind of a paradox. He's coming to conquer, uh, uh, conquering and to conquer, and yet he has a bow without any arrows. No arrows are mentioned, and so we suggest that this is a ministry of peace. And this is what the Antichrist does when he first comes on the scene. He presents himself as a man of peace. We looked, I believe last week, at a couple of the prophecies in the book of Daniel, where Daniel mentions the abomination of desolation, which will come in verse 14, I believe, of of, uh, Mark's gospel, uh, of chapter 13, uh, after we get through these eight signs. That takes place in the middle of the tribulation. So all of these signs that we're looking at are the first half of the tribulation. And, of course, this is my scenario. If you disagree with that, that's fine. I see the dispensational pattern of prophecy throughout the Scriptures. To me, it is consistent with Joel, with Daniel, with Isaiah, with Jeremiah, uh, with John the Revelator here in the book of Revelation, with Jesus' Olivet Discourse. It all corresponds with the scheme of events that we call dispensationalism which basically is the concept, the idea that there's a seven-year tribulation with a break in the middle, three and a half years in the middle, what we call the middle of the tribulation, uh, Daniel's abomination of desolation. After that seven-year period of the tribulation is the second coming of the Lord and the millennium. And then after that thousand-year reign, the new heaven and the new earth, and just all of the prophecies, Isaiah, all of them, correspond with that scheme of events. I do not see the correlation with covenant theology, which is non-dispensational. 
it just does not fit with the prophecies. You have to, I think, rest the scriptures, as the Bible says, in order to make them fit into the covenant pattern. So that's one of the reasons why I've been taught dispensationalism, but that's not the reason that I'm a dispensationalist. I'm a dispensationalist because I believe the Bible teaches it, not just because I was brought up in it and taught it and that sort of thing. You have to get to the place when you're a teenager and a young college student to make the beliefs and the doctrine your own. Okay, well, why am I a Christian? Why am I a Baptist? And I struggled with that Baptist thing like many of you did for a while. And why uh, do I believe in the King James Bible? To get those doctrines, and I believe I've gotten them from the Bible, not from my teaching. I thank the Lord for my teaching. Glad that I had the teaching that I had. All the way back to when I can remember in the church we were in, and then all through high school, the ministries that I had at camp, and then when I went to Bible college and seminary, I thank the Lord for those places, the pastors and the churches that have helped me to understand the scriptures. But anyway, this white horse rider is a a man of peace. Uh, Even though he's coming to conquer, uh, going forth to conquering and to conquer, he's going to do it with the means of peace. We looked at that before, peace, peace, when there is no peace, when they cry that, what happens after that? Sudden destruction. Okay, so here's this man who's going to come crying peace, peace. Now what the, Jesus is talking about in the Olivet Discourse, both Mark and Matthew's Gospel, are many antichrists. Many would come deceiving, coming in my name, claiming to be the Messiah or a Messiah. And we've had a lot of people like that. You don't have to fit the scenario by actually claiming to be the Christ, but be a Christ, a Messiah, a helper, the one who's going to bring peace to the world. We've had many leaders, political and religious leaders, who have come into our world claiming that they are the peacemakers, many Messiahs. But there will be the one, the Antichrist. John tells us that there are going to come many antichrists. So the first sign is that of spiritual deception. Now let me point out that prophetically, these are things that will happen in the beginning of the tribulation. Okay? In our dispensational scenario, we believe that New Testament believers will be caught up to meet the Lord before the tribulation. So these signs are signs of things that will happen during the tribulation when we are not here. So they're not signs as such for the rapture or signs of the second coming as such, but the principle is here. The scriptures teach that the same signs and events cause the judgment of anything. We can look at these these eight things and see the fall of Rome or the fall of America that's, that's imminent. It will happen because these things are there. These signs are events causing the judgment of anything. They're sins. And these events, these sins that cause judgment upon one thing are the same events that will cause judgment upon everything else. Okay, So the pattern is the thing even though these signs are prophetically for the tribulation. Therefore, 
the signs that surrounded the destruction of Jerusalem, which Jesus is prophesying in an immediate sense in the Olivet Discourse, are much the same as the signs that shall surround the end of the world during that tribulation. Therefore, what Jesus was saying has a double meaning or application and or a triple application. You can look at it in your own life and see the judgment that the Lord might bring upon you. It will be for failure in these areas. Deception. We talked about that this morning. And the spirit of the Antichrist. We need to watch out for the spirit of the Antichrist even in our own lives. So the first sign is the sign of spiritual deception and the false messiahs. Alright, go to Mark 13 and verse 7. And when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye troubled. For such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. The second sign is that of wars and rumors of wars or international disturbances. Wars and rumors of wars. We're going to jump back and forth between Matthew 24 and Revelation chapter 6, so I don't know if you want to put a marker in both places or not. Matthew chapter 24, and this time, verse number 6. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. That's a good adage for us, right? We see the world full of wars and rumors of wars. Be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And then he continues, there should be famines and pestilences, but that's getting into our next sign. All right, now let's go back to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 6, verse 3. Revelation 6 and verse 3. Mark also says this, For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. That's all part of this wars and rumors of wars, the international disturbances. In the Revelation, the second horse, the second seal is open, and the second horse rider there, peace is taken from the earth. And when he had opened the second seal, Revelation 6.3, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. Okay, so the red horse, that's the one I missed. And power was given to him that sat thereupon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. That's war. It's interesting in the book of mostly Jeremiah, but some of the other prophets do it as well. There's the prophecy of the sword, the famine, and the pestilence. You see those three phrases, those three things in the prophecies of Jeremiah and other places. So the first sign is the sign of spiritual deception by false messiahs. The second sign is the wars and the national, or the wars and the rumors of wars, or national and international disturbances. The Bible tells us where those wars come from, right? James chapter 4 comes of the lusts even of our own selves. And what is the encouragement Jesus is giving to us here? Be not what? Troubled. Be not troubled. The believer is not to be troubled with these things. Terrified, frightened, disturbed, alarmed. A war can have that. 
We haven't had that in our country. Our country has not been a war-torn location. The wars that we fought in our more recent days have been foreign wars. Germany, England, of course, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan and all those other foreign places, not on our own soil. So we don't experience that firsthand. But if it were to be here, couldn't you feel the troubled, terrified, frightened emotions? Jesus says, be not troubled. Now we can become affected by the world news, the affairs and turmoils that we hear about, you know, wring our hands and wipe our brows and pace the floor and the closer it gets to us, if a loved one dies in one of those battles and that feeling of being troubled can hit us, but Jesus tells us not to be troubled. We don't have to be apprehensive about our safety. He says these things must needs be. Why do they must needs be? Well, because of the sin nature in the world, right? Isn't that where the wars come from? They must needs be because that's the way you deal with sin. Sin that is rebellious, that doesn't repent. You try to get the nations to repent, but when they hold on to their lustful, human, sinful ways, then you go to war. We're all for peace. And we're supposed to be peacemakers, right? What is this pattern we're seeing? These signs are steps that take place for any kind of judgment. Any nation in the world that's going to be judged is going to go through this process. They reject Christ, first of all. Look at the false messiahs. That's the big, big problem. And then, because they reject Christ, the only thing they have left is themselves and their wicked, evil, lustful hearts. They war against one another. Okay, So that's the natural steps, the patterns toward being judged in any age and doesn't just have to fit prophetically. Okay, It's the same thing in your life, in my life, individually, personally. When we reject Christ, we end up going to war. We end up in battle, spiritually or otherwise. We need to trust the Lord. These things must needs be because of the sin nature that's there. When sin is that rebellious that it rejects Christ, the only way to deal with it is with war. I don't want that to be. I'm not trying to be a, a warmonger, but that's just the way it is. Jesus is teaching us this. That's the pattern of life when we reject Christ. And so uh, it happens that way. World disturbances, upheavals, and so forth and so on. Assaults, killings, stealings, storing things up, hoarding for ourselves. James says in that passage where he says that the lust you know, comes from the lusting, it's you have not because you ask not. You're not asking of God. And of course the attacks, the maiming of one another, the, the uh, malice, uh, lying, cheating, all those things are part of this. Jesus also said that the end is not yet. I'm going to go ahead and read these passages of Scripture. I'm not going to take the time to, to turn to them. Second Chronicles 15, 6 and 7. And nation was destroyed of nation and city of city. That's history. For God did vex them with all adversity. Be ye strong therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Jeremiah chapter 51, verses 45 and 46. 
Jeremiah is prophesying during the Babylonian captivity. He says, My people, go ye out of the midst of her, and deliver ye every man his soul from the fierce anger of the Lord, and lest your heart faint, and ye fear for the rumor that shall be heard in the land, a rumor shall both come one year, and after that in another year shall come a rumor, and violence in the land, ruler against ruler. This pattern of war is not something new. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, verse 34, Jesus taught us, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with suffering and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. Jesus is teaching us that judgment comes because we war and lust and have not because we ask not. Paul taught us in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto the Lord, because we don't come to the Lord and ask. Our cares become our cares, instead of 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon Him. So we take it upon ourselves, and we end up with this pattern of war. All right, let's go back to the text again. Mark chapter 13 and verse, well, the last part of verse 8. And there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. Earthquakes, famines, and troubles. Let's see what Mark, or what Matthew, what Jesus says in the book of Matthew or Matthew chapter 24, and verse, the last part, middle of verse 7. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. Okay, so we have famines, pestilences, and earthquakes. And then verse 8, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Once again, let's go back to the book of Revelation. The third seal is open. There's a seven-sealed book that was given to the Lamb and nobody was able to open the book except for the Lamb. And so the third seal is broken, chapter 6 of Revelation, verse 5. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts saying, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. That's a famine. Famine, pestilences, and earthquakes. Now, the earthquakes he's going to mention later in the book of Revelation, but that is mentioned here in the Olivet Discourse. Earthquakes, famines, and troubles, as Mark says, uh, earthquakes, famines, and pestilences, as Matthew records it in the Olivet Discourse. So the third sign is that of natural disasters, which, of course, bring about famine. This is interesting and corollary to the prophecy of Joel. Joel prophesies a four-fold locust plague. There are four types of locusts that Joel records, and there ends up being a great famine, natural disasters. We've had several of those. 
Again, these are going to be fulfilled in the first half of the tribulation. But we see precursors of those things even now. And I've heard and read statistics, and I don't have them with me tonight, but in the past of the number of earthquakes that have been recorded over the years, they've increased over the years. So we have a increasing number of them. Granted, we're recording them more and better than we used to, but they're in diverse places, diverse or various places, and they can cause unbelievable destruction. And related to the earthquakes are the tsunamis and the volcanoes and such. They're all somewhat different, but this is, I think, a generic, these are generic terms, I think, that the Lord is using for these natural disasters. So we have earthquakes, we have famines, and we have, uh, well, let me, let me get back here to some historical stuff. Josephus was a historian, Jewish historian, and he records some of the natural disasters that occurred would be after the days of Christ. This is from the from Josephus's Jewish Wars. Uh, I guess you call these sections or chapters. I'm not sure. A, a book, book. I guess it was book four, chapter four, verse five. There broke out a prodigious storm in the night with the utmost violence and very strong winds, with the strongest showers of rain and the continual lightnings and terrible thunderings and amazing concussions and bellowings of the earth that was in an earthquake. These things were a manifest indication that some destruction was coming upon men when the system of the world was put into this disorder. And anyone would guess that these wonders foreshowed some grand calamities that were coming. That's what Josephus says. And isn't it interesting when we claim there are some of these natural disasters and we claim that it's the judgment of the Lord, we're, oh, we're politically incorrect. They're going to put us in jail for saying such stuff. Well, it's exactly the judgment of the Lord. That's what we're reading and studying about. That all of these signs are preliminaries to the judgment of the Lord in any age. And it will certainly come true during the tribulation. Uh, By the way, uh, before we did that, let's look into the book of Revelation. Chapter 6 and verse 12. And I beheld, and when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. And then turn over to chapter 11 of Revelation. Verses 12 and 13. Revelation 11, verse 12. And heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither, and they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain men of 7,000. We've seen several places now that the earthquakes are mentioned in the book of Revelation. So that tells me that earthquakes are going to be a reoccurring event throughout the tribulation. First half, second half, and on. And this verse tells us that this earthquake was so mighty an earthquake, so great an earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth. So keep on increasing. 
That's the flavor of the book of Revelation. As the judgments are poured out, you start with the seven seals, then you go to the seven vials, then you go to the seven trumpets, and each of those increases in intensity. I want to look at one more phrase in the book of Mark here, Mark chapter 13. The phrase at the end of verse number 8, he says, these are the beginnings of sorrows. What we're seeing are troubles that will come during the tribulation, and they will come in great in intensity. We're only up to the third thing that Jesus is mentioning here in Mark chapter 13. There's eight of them, plus the abomination of desolation, making a total of nine. And that only takes us up to the first half of the tribulation. So what Jesus is prophesying is these are the beginnings of sorrows. That's a key thought, I believe. The things that we're reading about are the beginning of sorrows. That means there's more to come. See, when, when the judgment of the Lord falls out, it keeps on coming. There's a warning that we need for ourselves and for the rest of the world. This is Dr. Lee Hennice, and we want to thank you for listening to the Hedgemaker broadcast today. Most of our broadcasts are portions of a sermon that I have preached at church. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries is the preaching, teaching, and writing ministry for myself. You can visit us on the web at hedgemaker.org. And let's be encouraged to stand in the gap and make up the hedge until Jesus comes again.